Hey everyone, Justin here with White Tail Theories Podcast. On the mic today, we have Sean Trump with Northern Timber Outfitters. Um, Sean is actually one of our newest partners here at Serviceside. Um, makes duck calls, makes fishing lures, um, does a lot with, with conservation when it comes to waterfowl. Um, but we wanted to get him on the mic, not just as a new partner for Serviceside, um, but to kind of talk a little bit about his business, kind of what he has going on on the product side, um, but also his conservation side. So, Sean, what's up, man? Not that much, man. How's it going? Good, brother. I'm glad we're finally able to do this. Um, been trying to play catch up since I had the kid, and um, it's really good to get you on the mic. I'm I'm super excited to to not just for my own personal knowledge, but also for our listeners to to really dive into to you know uh your business. Um, you know, I know you're a small business owner. It's something where you know you had a dream. You went after it, and I just want to, you know, kind of shed some light on that for everyone. Do a little showcase here, and and uh, you know, we'll tell our listeners kind of, uh, you know, about your business and and what you got going on. Absolutely, man. Yeah, it was, you know, it like you said, it was a dream that it was just like, you know, what I decided I'm gonna I'm gonna chase after this, and um, I don't regret it one bit. So I tell you what, that's a good a good start here that we'll dive into. So what kind of kind of take us to the beginning here? So you know, normally how we start off these podcasts is is a little icebreaker. Tell us how you kind of got into hunting, um, and uh, what kind of I guess inspired you to do what you're doing right now. Well, um, my family has always been into hunting, um, but never really anything outside of deer hunting. So, you know, growing up, my dad, my grandfather's uncles, their friends and all, we all, we all deer hunted. And then right around when I was like 15 or so, I said, I, I want to try waterfowl hunting. I'd seen some videos. I'm like, that looks like it's a ton of fun. Like, I have to do that. So, you know, I went, uh, I bought some calls and some decoys and stuff. And, um, I went out and I loved it. I was hooked instantly. Like, you know, they say when, you know, you go out waterfowl hunting, you will literally get instantly addicted. It, it's, it's real. That does happen. I went one time and that was it. It was over. There was more decoys being bought. I was buying this and that. And it was just like, all of a sudden, you know, I probably spend more time waterfowl hunting than I do deer hunting. But how it kind of got me into the calls was it, I was looking at the calls and, you know, I have a very kind of, I, I'm very good with observing and learning that way and, you know, mechanical stuff, which is why for years, you know, I did so much mechanical work on cars because I could literally just watch something and be able to take it apart, put it back together, that kind of stuff. So I'm pulling calls apart and I'm looking at them like, I can make this like, like I can make this. This, this doesn't seem that hard. And so uh, I got into doing it, and I bought a lead. And was and me and my my best friend in high school, we were, you know, doing, he was really good with social media. So he was, like, you know, pumping us up on social media, and I was turning calls and stuff. And then uh, I don't really know what happened. The two of us kind of parted ways. He got real busy with work. I was really focused on, you know, finishing high school and stuff. And, um, 
you know, he kind of, he didn't say anything to me and the, he just kind of dropped the social media and I've kind of been in a rebuilding phase ever since then because once that happened, it was just like, I didn't really know for quite a few months that, you know, nothing was really going on. And so I kind of just took a break for a while and I was like, you know, I want to get out of high school and, and stuff. And then I'm going (laughs) to, I'm going to chase after it. And then I graduated in 2017 I was like, yeah, this year I'm going to chase it. This year I'm going to chase it. This year I'm going to chase it. And finally, you know, within the last year and a half, two years, I finally was like, no. I say this every year. I'm going to chase this dream. I'm going to build calls. I'm going to run this business, this and that. I said, no, I'm going to do this. And last spring I got my LLC and got my shop all set up and have been trying to go full steam ahead ever since, you know, that happened and I I'm all gas no breaks I will not let up because you know after just putting that that drive driving force of just I'm gonna do this towards this you know it's night and day difference how much better it's doing you know and and that does seem to happen you know more so than not you know people kind of separate from each other and whatever the reason is, it's, it's great that you were able to kind of adapt to that and just continue going. I mean, whether it's life or jobs or whatever, family, um, you know, it, it does seem to happen. I mean, I see a lot of, you know, big company, even big companies in the industry, you know, have, have done have a very similar story to you of, you know, starting out a dream, maybe not so young, like in high school, but starting out a dream and, and kind of, you know, partnering with someone and then things don't work out. So I'm, I'm really glad that you kind of you know, didn't, didn't let that deter you or give, give up. And it's really great to see, um, you know, you going after it, um, because at the end of the day, you know, you know, something I, uh, I used to run a 1-800-GOT-JUNK franchise before I started working for service side. And, and that was the main like motto they had was, you know, you got to be willing to fail because, you know, if you just don't make that effort because you're scared, you're going to fail. You know, at the end of the day, most, most of your people that are the most successful people in the world have literally been smushed on their butt so many times that it's it you know but no one sees that part they all see the success and things like that um but no that's that's great man and you know that's what attracted me to you with your business was when you, you when you asked us at service side you know you kind of wanted to create a relationship be a member things like that you know, I, I dug a little deeper into your company, and it wasn't just, "Hey, I'm I'm Sean, and I'm trying to make some extra money." And 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 I hear it all the time: work in the industry to do what I love. Well, we all love, you know, the outdoor industry, man. If we could all quit our jobs tomorrow to just be in the industry, I guarantee you, not one person would would turn it down. I mean, even me, I you know, I took a little bit of a pay cut to to do what I do from what I used to do. Um, but you know, that's neither here nor there. But for you to continue to chase your dream and also you take it a step further. You don't just make calls to generate revenue. You 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 also do a lot of work with conservation, which we'll talk on in a little bit um, in this episode, um, but also the quality aspect. You're not out there trying to freaking automate your calls. You're out there after work getting dirty, you know, making the calls by hand and the quality is just absolutely amazing. You know, I ordered a wood squealer myself 
and was looking over at it and you know uh, you know there's a lot of instances with waterfowl where you know electronic calls are needed like when you know goose hunting big fields and stuff up north but with these hand calls especially down here for me in the swamp you know i, I just knowing knowing i guess and maybe it just hits deeper because I'm a little older, but like when I'm holding that call in my hand, I'm calling it a wood duck, knowing that it was made in America by a guy chasing his dream. He was sitting there with sweat, blood, and tears, and his own money, and he was just, you know, he was, he was, uh, I don't know the uh, the proper terminology, so correct me if I'm wrong, but like ladling it or, or whatever you're doing um, with Turn. the wood, turning it. Um, yep. and, uh, you know, knowing that it just, I don't know, man, it, it like comes full circle. So I know for me, for instance, like when you, when we had discussed partnerships and your drive, um, I really liked that you never took no for an answer, but you weren't annoying. You kind of just was like, yeah. this is what I got going on. Here's my information. Follow me on my socials. You wasn't too pushy, but also you didn't give up. You know, I know you had talked to the previous operations here multiple times. You had talked to me multiple times before we actually got something in the works here for everyone. And that's how it's done, man. Think about how many times people told you no and you just kept pushing the right way. And look where you're at now. You know, you're you're slowly getting it into where it needs to be. And a great thing about a small business is when you do it the right way, it's going you got a lot better chance for success. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, I love, I love doing it, you know, and that's, you know, like you were saying where, you know, people, oh, I, I want to work in the industry and stuff. It's like working in the industry. Yeah. It's, it's great. You know, you work for uh side or you work for Mojo or you work for, but when it comes to doing that, you shouldn't just stop at, I want to work in the industry. I want to go be a rep for Mojo. You know, you have all these guys who um, they're brand ambassadors or they're guides and stuff. And, you know, they're these big names. And, yeah, you know, I'm sponsored by so-and-so. And, you know, this they brought us to something. It's like, that's great that you're doing all that. But what else are you doing? Because it's right. not just about killing ducks. You know, it's not just about shooting deer. It's, that's, there's more to it than that. And that's where kind of, you know, my conservation aspect came from it. Um, my warranty and stuff, my, even my prices on my calls, it's like, I'm not here to just build calls. I'm here to make a difference in the industry and, and to connect with people because there is nothing I love more than sitting around talking about hunting 24 seven. If I could do it, I would. Because that's what I like to do, talking with new people, just getting into it, you know, telling them, hey, yeah, like you want to, I, I mean, I was at a DU banquet and I probably gave my phone number out to at least five different people and who wanted to get into waterfowl hunting, but never really like had been out like on a real hunt. And I was like, here's my number, call me up, you know, and it's just about making a difference in the industry. And I feel like that is more important now than ever. For sure. It, it couldn't be a better time, and, and I couldn't have said that better myself. And, you know, I get that a lot too, man, and you're going to see it the more you're in the industry. You know, I, I hear it all the time, and I'm not making fun of the people. So if you're a listener and you've asked me this, I'm not I'm not making fun of you, but I hear it all the time, man. You know, I want to. how do I do what you're doing? You know, and I'm like, well, I'm going to be honest with you. I sacrifice a lot, man. I, I sacrifice a lot for my family. 
I work way more than I should. I have so much passion that I just, I can't stop. You can't turn it off. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, it, it balances out, I think in the end, but it's definitely not as easy as, you know, going out and, and hunting. I actually think I hunt less now that I'm in the industry um, than what I did prior. Um, but it's just because you have so much passion and you want to provide, you know, a good quality product and you want to do it the right way and you want to make a difference. Like you said, as corny as it may sound, not many companies are out there making a difference. And, and that's the thing with Service Side. We partner with companies that do want to make a difference, that do, even the bigger names. Um, you know, they do want to, they do want to give back. They do want to help out. They just don't want to generate dollars. Yeah. We got to pay the bills. We got to keep the lights on. That's, uh, you know, being said, you got to pay for those products, but doing it the right way. And then you getting out there and networking, that's a never ending thing, man. I, I, I do so much networking. I really need to get me another cell phone to keep the, the numbers on because, you know, my phone never stops blowing up, but uh, it, you know, that's what it's about. That's, that's what, that's what we love and, and we're going to continue to do. But I want to kind of talk about, um, this is actually something I didn't even think of till now, but I think it's a good start for us here. Um, how did you kind of go about, I know you kind of touched on it briefly. So if you can add anything else to it, when you were finally ready to pull this trigger, how did you kind of go about like starting your own business? Well, the, the first thing was, is before I like officially filed for an LLC, I made sure that for the most part, you know, I had stuff figured out, you know, like, okay, I know how to make this call from start to finish. I can put a good quality call together because the last thing you want to do is you don't want to go into business and you don't have, you know, your production down, you know, because if you don't, it's, it's going to reflect on you in, in a negative way. If you're sending something out and it's, you know, oh, I sent 10 calls out this week and five of them, you know, I forgot to do this or this was wrong with it. This was wrong with it. You know? So the first thing was, is, you know, I took a couple years and like I said, it was kind of on and off and I would turn calls and stuff. I'd make calls. I'd tune calls. I'd go buy calls and tune them. And, um, you know, I, I finally decided like, okay, I am good enough at this that, I'm ready to take that next step. But a lot of guys, when you look at like makers, like in the call nuts group on Facebook and you look at these guys that it's, it's their more, their hobby. Like they do it. Like I know some waterfowlers listening to this might know who like Brad samples is with his crazy, cool feathered bands and stuff. A lot of those guys, they don't want to, take that next step where they, you know, they they just enjoy doing it as a hobby. And some people don't know what that next step is. You know, I had a fellow call maker asking about, you know, when, when do you know it's right to file your LLC? And I basically, I'm going to just open the door that it's like, okay, I can branch out a little more here now. Um, you know, I can have, uh, a business account with UPS or USPS and FedEx and such. So, you know, I get some better rates on stuff and it kind of just opened the door. It's like, I have more avenues now. Uh, this, the spectrum of what I can do is broadened a little bit because I have, you know, all these possibilities. And that was what kind of, you know, that was my first step. 
Yeah, that's awesome, man. I'm, I'm really glad you did make that leap. And, you know, like you said, you know, some people do it for a hobby, and that's great. You know, this podcast ain't about knocking that. But if you are ready to take that step, you know, I definitely encourage you to go out there and do it. Don't be scared about failing. If you fail, you fail. You know, it, it, you, you learn from it, you grow, um, and continue on. But um, you're definitely putting out some great stuff. So let me ask you here, Sean. So um, tell, our, tell our listeners here a little bit about what exactly are you putting out right now as far as your products? So right now, it's mostly just duck calls. I have a couple up on the website. Uh, there's some bash jigs up there. A couple of those calls probably going to be coming down. Um, I'm going to be replacing them with some new things. And in the next, by basically by August, there should be um, quite a few different duck calls up there, different styles, you know, different material, different pricing, you know, for to provide a little bit of a price variety. There's going to be some goose calls up there. Should have Canada and spec calls. I'm hoping to, I'm still searching around for some supplies, but I'm hoping to have some buck fronts up there for my whitetail hunters. I should have scent scent control spray up there come August. That might be more later August. I have to see. I have to talk with my supplier on that. But for the most part right now, it's, you know, just duck and goose calls. Lately, I've been just doing quite, like, quite a bit of custom stuff and which I don't mind necessarily because in between that stuff I've been building up the stock that's going up on the website and all but um, one of the neatest things about those calls and I'm sure you were wondering when we were going to dive into this is any call that comes from me is guaranteed for life if it breaks I don't cover lost or stolen calls you know but if a call cracks breaks the dog chews it you're running over with your truck whatever happens to it if it breaks i will replace it for free and that's you know it was something that i was just going to do with wood calls and then i was like you know what i'm gonna do it with everything so anytime you know you buy a call it's like it's backed up it's it's back that it's going to be replaced if it breaks Nice. Nice, man. And yeah, we were going to touch on that because I I personally, you know, I just got into waterfowl hunting myself, um, you know, hooking up with some service side guys and stuff like that. wanted to really get into it. And like you said earlier, it's once you do it, it's just like deer hunting. You freaking get addicted. You want to, you know, you you go from one extreme to the next. The, The addiction definitely hits, especially when you're successful and you go out in the swamp or you go out on a lake or something like that. And you actually do put some some waterfowl down and um, it definitely gets addictive, but that, that warranty, um, is great. I, I personally don't know. I mean, I haven't been in it long enough. Um, so correct me if I'm wrong, but I haven't seen another call company that does that. I'm actually even friends with a, with a couple other call companies, um, through family. And, um, I know that they don't even do that. They have certain warranty policies, um, but they're, you know, one of those things where it's more of a faulty type thing. I guess, you know, a reed breaks or something happens, it, it gets damaged. But um, that's pretty awesome, man. What what kind of made you want to do that, just to be different? or? Well, that was part of it, you know, because some, some people listening might know Corey from his interactions in the group. But Corey and I, you know, Corey helps me with everything. And I told Corey, I was like, in order to make this work, we got to be different, you know. We have to do something that's going to make us different. I, and I said, I want to offer this warranty. And 
you know, he was unsure of it, but I told him, I said, I'm just, I'm going to do it. And he was like, all right. And the reason was, is I've had calls break. I've had calls where they come apart and the cork and reeds fall out of them. I've, I've had that happen. And it's like, man, my favorite, my favorite duck calls broken. You know, I've had, like, I've literally had a tone board snap in, you know, in a hunt in the cold, um, my call got a little wet. I pulled it out to dry off the reeds and stuff, stuck it back in. And when I was pushing it back in, the tone board broke. And it's like, that was, that's, you know, that's my number one call I grabbed. It's like, now I got to go buy another one and stuff. And for me, it was like, now I got to make the 45 minute drive to Cabela's before next weekend to grab a new one if I want to, um, you know, have that call next weekend. So I was like, I want somebody, if they have a call break, they can just send me a picture be like, hey, man, this broke. I'm going to be like, all right, cool. I'm mailing another one right now, you know, and get them a call. So it's like they're not, you know, having to go out and spend money on, you know, something that could could or could not have been prevented during the manufacturing process. You know, if it's wood, wood has a tendency to crack, especially over time from the wear and tear that waterfowl hunters put on their gear. And I just figured that this would be a great way to, you know, let everybody know that I have your back. If, if something happens with one of your calls, because, you know, a lot of guys that waterfowl hunt, they're just out there. They work during the week and they get out Saturday morning and have a good time and stuff. It's like, you know, I wanted, I wanted to be kind of supportive in that sense. It's like, you know, I know you don't got a million bucks to spend every hunting season, so if this breaks, it's on me. Well, that's pretty legit, man. I mean, that just you're you're gonna have a lot of loyal customers, in my opinion, from that, um, and definitely creates you a good little tribe from that, um, especially for those ones. I mean, I'm sure it is, especially up north. We don't have as much of an issue here. We'll find out. I'll take this bad boy in the swamp this year and run a ragged, but you know, I know with that cold weather, it's got to be hard on those calls. It's hard. It's hard on everything. <laughs> so it's hard on you know the calls and stuff. I, I had, I've had some wood calls and stuff that crack and and everything. You know, I, I've had my own calls back in you know my beginning stages where like the band or something will come off, and then you know I a lot better you know with the different process to put the band on and stuff. But you know I I know how harsh the weather conditions and stuff can be on calls, especially wood calls, you know, wood, you know, when it gets wet and stuff, you get freeze cracking and stuff in there, all sorts of stuff. And same thing with acrylic too, you know, yes, acrylic's pretty strong, but when you are out there and it's five degrees, (laughs) you know, something like an insert or something they can break in that cold so that's why i just back everything up and the other thing is too is it's not like i have control over the manufacturing process of wood you know i can't control that wood i can control how dry it is but i can't control you know the tree that grew it that has that knot hidden in there and there's, it's going to crack eventually and same thing with acrylic you know i'm not the one casting the acrylic uh, i you know i don't know what the casting process is i just you know i know how i do it if i need to and so it's like i don't want to have somebody else's call go down and it quite possibly 
could be out of both far's control so i'll just replace it no that that's legit man that that shows that shows a lot about a company in my opinion i um you know we're we're partnered with badlands and you know i um i never was one of those guys that really was like brand loyal i guess you could say because with me it was it was kind of like i would try something if it worked that was great but you know there's so much we've talked about this many times there's so much competition a lot of people you know do have good quality stuff but with that warranty that's always what caught me with them was you know they had that that guaranteed warranty send it back in we'll replace it and that's always what kept me loyal because I'm like, man, if, if my stitching breaks or my the crotch rips out of the pants or, you know, anything, it, you know, they're going to replace it. So I know it helped them a lot and has definitely helped their business. And I'm sure it's going to help yours also. Um, but let's dive into one of my favorite topics, um, which is the conservation part. Tell our listeners a little bit about what your company does. You know, we, we all... If you don't know in the industry, um, and I'm not making fun of no one or, or picking or anything like that, um, but a lot of people that do do it for a hobby or they do have a small time business, they'll you know they'll take that money, they'll go on trips and things like that. And you know I know with you that's not something that you do. Um, I know with you you put a lot back into conservation. Um, so I'd love to take a take some time here and, and kind of talk about that. What does your company do to kind of give back to um, to conservation and to hunters? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've joined Ducks Unlimited as a, I've been a Ducks Unlimited member for years. Um, and then I joined my local chapters committee board and stuff. And um, I kind of got a feel for what's going on for waterfowl conservation and what's not in my area. You know, I've made really good friends with my local land management game warden and the other game wardens in the area. Um, I've helped them with banding ducks several times, which there's some, I think there's some pictures up on the website, but I can't remember. I know there's some way back in like January, February on Instagram. Um, but then, you know, we got talking. It's like, okay, well, you know, I have a state park that's literally two minutes from my house. It has a creek running through it, which I like to hunt for wood ducks in the early season um in our october season but the state park doesn't really have the funding or resources to do anything but maintain itself so i went to the state park and i said you know this is who i am this is my business like you know i would like to start a wood duck nesting box program and i fought for a year and you know you had been saying where i'm persistent i don't take no for an answer um, I was very stubborn and I, that was a hill I was willing to die on that. I was going to get that nesting box program started and I did. And that's one of the things that we do. And, um, you know, once we kind of get through this preseason rush, that's coming up in the next, you know, two to three months here, I'm going to start setting everything up for the spring, um, nesting box season and stuff. And basically what it is, is, you know, I make so much money off the calls and <clears throat> I use it to build nesting boxes, build mallard nesting tubes and, and get them set up and keep them managed and stuff. And it's, you know, it's just, it's a simple way to kind of give back to waterfowl. And, you know, people might be like, well, why would that make, you know, make me want to 
buy one of your products more. Well, maybe it doesn't, and that's fine. But at the same time, you know, just because the ducks nest here doesn't mean they don't, you know, fly south in the wintertime. Right. And it's just, I just, I enjoy it. I, <clears throat> I just enjoy seeing, you know, seeing broods of ducks and stuff nesting in the spring, seeing the boxes get used, you know, and I know there's other people that have that same joy too. And I know that, you know, my state park, they can't, they can't do it. They don't have the time, the people, the resources to do it. And it's like, okay, well, we're going to step in and we're going to do it. No, that's, that's great, man. And, and what I like about it is, and, and I don't sugarcoat anything, um, you know, what I like about it most is, is that you didn't just cry about it. You didn't just say, well, you know, uh, the duck populations are, are starting to stink or, um, you know, there, there's no, my, my state doesn't have the funding and, and, you know, let's just give up. I've already tried. I, I like that you kept doing what you could do to give back because at the end of the day, it's very simple. If we kill everything and we don't put stuff back, there's nothing to there's going to be nothing to right. kill eventually. So, right. it, you know, it goes with turkey, waterfowl, deer. It goes with everything. I think bird, in my opinion, you know, I'm not a biologist, so nobody shoot the messenger here. But um, I don't I don't think, you know, I think big game's a little bit of a, a different ball game, obviously a little harder. But when it comes to waterfowl and turkeys and stuff, there's a lot that people can do as individuals. Um, that can help. I know like on our land with Turkey, um, we have a big field over at my girlfriend's dad's house um, that we don't mow. We let the, the grass gets about knee high or so. We don't mow it. And guess where all the birds put their eggs? Right in that field. Every single year they drop their eggs in there. They go back to the wood line or they go to the turkey plot. They eat and they'll come back midday. They'll check on their nest. They'll stay there for a few hours. They'll go back out. They'll go to their roost and they leave their eggs in that field and no one's going to touch that field. You know, it's it's close enough to the house that we're able to keep the coyote, you know, the dogs keep the coyotes away and, and stuff for the most part. The hogs don't really get near it. Um, it's just, a, it's a really, it's almost like a safe haven. But what we did was we, we did what we could do, which was not mowing that portion of the field. It was literally as simple as not cutting grass. Um, and it's helped with conservation. Which nobody likes doing that anyways. <laughs> <laughs> right, especially here. I think it's 102 degrees today. So uh, it's one of those things where it's like everyone can do something. Now, yes, sometimes you got to think a little bit outside the box. Sometimes you got to be a little pushy like you did. But, you know, we one thing I, I heard uh, a government official told me one time, um, he had said that uh, the, the government's favorite thing to tell you is no. Because no is safe. And no means that there's going to be no problems from it. So whenever you try to do conservation work and things like that, normally most of the time I do believe that the answer first is going to be no. Um, but there's always ways around that. And you actually make a lot of the boxes yourself, right? Yeah, we make them. We make them all ourselves. Yeah, so all the boxes are made right right here in the shop. See, that's great, man. You, you didn't take no for an answer. You went above and beyond. And I see it, too, with what's like trash and a WMA out here. I see it on Facebook groups. And we have a local WMA near us. It's called Richlam. And it's pretty pretty known to be lawless. You know, game wardens don't really patrol it. It's a real big WMA. There's a road. The place is littered with roads. So, um, And then literally littered. And it's really hard to patrol it. You just don't have the resources and stuff. And... Um, I'll see people on that page all the time saying, you know, all oh, the trash here and the trash there. I'm like, well, how many, how much trash do you pick up? Well, I didn't right. have time. I didn't have time. Well, then don't cry about it. You know, I go out there with a trash bag and dude, I don't want to be out there picking up nobody's nasty trash. Believe me, I'm not about that. But 
I'm also not going to get on Facebook and cry. So every time I go to a WMA, I keep a trash bag in the truck or a Walmart bag, and I try to do my part at that local, at least the local parking area, and I'll always pick up a bag when I'm either at that parking area that I'm at, or I'll put the Walmart bag in my pocket, and then I'll catch me some, some big items, beer bottles, things like that on the way out. But if you don't do something about it, it's not going to change, you know? Right. And I feel like something like that is if you don't know, you know, maybe you're pushing hard to, to do some conservation stuff, put some nesting boxes up, whatever, and you just keep getting that no for an answer. I don't think there's one government agency that, you know, for wildlife, whether it's DCNR, you know, Game Commission, Fish and Wildlife, that is going to tell you, hey, stop picking up trash. Right, right. And it's probably one of the, it's the easiest thing you can do. The only thing you got to do is go pick up trash. And, you know, it's not like, like when we put nesting boxes out, it's usually like, okay, we have, you know, 12 boxes going up today. So that's like, we spend a day doing it. It's like our day is designated to putting those boxes up, you know, finding locations that work well for them and stuff. If you're picking trash up, you know, out on a lake or even a river, it's like you can literally you can go fishing and do it. You can be out fishing and just oh, right. you know, there's there's a whole bunch of trash over there on that bank from people who were, you know, fishing a couple of days ago. I'm gonna go pick that up. And the other thing people don't realize too is when hunters and fishers leave trash in those areas, it doesn't matter if it's five percent of all hunters, hunters and fishermen that are doing that. That five percent makes another 95 percent look bad when they do that it does yeah. now it's not fair to you you know it's not fair to me that i gotta pick up after them right but you know what you asked them what you could do as far as conservation stuff goes and you can do that right there yeah for sure i mean everyone can give back and don't get me wrong man it burns me up when i have to do something like that i'm never happy about it but you know, it's one of those things where it's like, well, if you're not going to do it, you, you can't say, well, they got people to do it. Man, especially down here, FWC and stuff, they're so run thin, especially with the with the recent stuff that's been happening in the U.S. They're so run thin already. Guys are already working 10, 12-hour days. To, to have somebody patrolling a lot of these areas, it, I mean, it's hard, man. And people got to realize, like, that so that's not free. Like, someone's paying for that, a.k.a. your tax dollars. So it's really hard to, to, to disperse money the right way. Now, yeah, can money be dispersed a little bit better? Sure. It can, you know, bureaucrats, man, eh, the, we won't even go down that road. But money can always be, uh, you know, split out differently. But I love the fact that your... Um, and I know we kind of went down a rabbit hole with this, but it's an important topic. I'm, I'm glad that your company's not just like saying, well, you know what? It is what it is. I'm only one person. There's 10 bags of trash here. What's one bag me picking up going to do? Well, that's one less bag of trash that has to be picked up in my opinion. And you doing something is way better than you doing nothing, you know? Right. Right. Exactly. And, you know, and yeah, maybe not picking up trash, but, you know, conservation stuff is fun too. And, you know, one of my biggest things is that I don't, I'm, I'm kind of like you guys. I'm for, I'm for other hunters. You know, I support other hunters. I will get, you know, I haven't done it in a while and I also haven't really had to, but 
I used to have no problem getting in somebody's, you know, stuff on Facebook because they were ripping somebody who was just asking a question as a newer hunter and they were trashing them. And I had, I, I just, it's like, you know, it makes me sick to know that, you know, there's other people putting other hunters down and that's kind of like, you know, the same thing with the conservation stuff. It's my way of saying I support you guys. When you guys buy stuff from me, I'm doing everything I can to support you, you know, in maybe not directly like with the conservation stuff. And it's not just support for other hunters too. It's support for the wildlife. It's saying, Hey, listen, we took this, we're going to give some of it back now. And it's just, you know, it's kind of just my way of saying like, you know, I'm on your team. I'm rooting for you. It's it's a good sickness to spread too. Um, kind of wording it like that because you know you doing this has kind of me just getting into waterfowl. There's plenty of spots, and I do know the local game wardens and stuff. And there's plenty of spots where I, I feel like I could easily ask one of them one day when we're at the check station, like, hey, do you mind if I put a few wood duck boxes? Uh, sorry, wood duck boxes out here, or do you mind if I? Um, do X, Y, and Z for conservation. And like you said, most of the time, especially if you're the one doing it, it's usually okay. It's usually when you ask them to deal with it, they're like, oh, I don't know. We got to check the funds. We got to see what's in the budget. Um, but with us, if you're the one doing it and I'm like, hey, can I put these up? You know, I'll use whatever object you want to drill into the tree or, or what have you, whatever the rules may be. Um, there's always mm-hmm. an option. You can always hang it, you know, whatever. But um, you know, I, it, it, my point is what I'm getting at is it spreads a good sickness where now I'm interested in doing that. So with me buying your product, knowing that some of the money at some point in time is going to go to conservation in your state, and then I may be able to utilize, uh, you know, a TikTok you make or uh, you're an Instagram reel, and I'm able to see you do it and what you're doing, putting four walls on a box and putting it on a tree. Um, with a little bit of straw or something in it, and I'm, I'm probably off base with this. I'm just guessing, um, but it's it's one of those things where it's like I feel like I could do that, and I want to do that, and I'm gonna try this year to to see if I'm able to do that. Um, when I go to these, you know, a lot of WMAs here are quota, so they'll have the biologist and the game warden at the front check station on a lot of the like limited quotas. Um, so I'm going to ask them and, and that's spreading a good sickness because how many other people are probably like me that are like, Oh yeah, I see that, you know, Northern Timber Outfitters is doing this and doesn't, you know, I can invest in one or two boxes. I probably can't drop hundreds of dollars, but I could do one or right. two and think about how many other people do that. And like you said, you get 5%, um, you know, switching it the other way, you get 5% doing a good thing then it will, mm-hmm. it'll make that 95% look better, just like it can go the opposite way in 5%. Exactly. So it, it can definitely be turned. And, you know, it's not asking a lot, man, for each person to do something. If, in my opinion, if you're one of those guys that are just a straight killer and you're dropping stuff, you know, you definitely should try to dip your toe and to give back a little bit. And, and there's plenty of ways to do it, it sounds like, without really going too much out of your way. Yeah. Yeah. I wish for every pile pick I saw on Instagram, that person made five nesting, nesting structures to put back out. That's so I look yeah. at it. No, but, I feel that, man. Or at least no, put I, out some predators or something, you know, kill yeah, some possums right, or raccoons. Right. Add some or, balance to the <laughs> little, Yeah. Like put some, you know, during a small game season, get out there and slay some possums and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, yeah, I, 
I like what you're saying and stuff. And, you know, I totally agree. If you can get 5% given back eventually, you know, too, it's going to be more than 5% given back. It's a sickness that's going to spread. And I know here personally, um, you know, I'm, I do a lot with the game commission stuff. I uh, was banding turkeys with them, launching the turkey net and, you know, catching the turkeys and putting like bands on them and stuff this spring. But I know personally, even for me, um, you know, as far as nesting boxes go here, like they usually have enough, you know, they usually, you know, order so many and they get built out at, you know, I forget what the name, where the place is, but, and then, you know, they, they get so many. And my thing's always been, if you need more, just let me know and I'll donate them. You know, you might not be allowed to, you know, for who knows what reason you know you might not be allowed to go put them out on your local wildlife management wherever you are you know your management area but you know what you probably can do you probably can donate them because just like you were saying you know the funds may not be there you know they may not be managed the best and you know donating something like if you donate you know three wood duck boxes or you know three nesting tubes and it's like i'm sure that there's probably a good chance your local wildlife management um unit would be looking to you know would love to accept those because it's like this is somebody who's given back and this is something that it's just like hey we know we need this but we just can't it's not in the budget you know and they love that kind of stuff they love to see other people kind of getting back in, you know getting into giving back and doing more than just coming out here and killing yeah, for sure. And it's great to hear that they, they do have a lot out there. I just know, like, speaking down here, you know, I, I know that I have five WMAs within an hour of my house. The closest one is 15 minutes away. And out of all five of those that I've been to, I have seen one wood duck box um, that was uh, – I, t- I usually take the rivers in a lot of the times when I hunt. And I've seen mm-hmm. one wood duck box. It might have been a wood duck box, but it was a wood box on a tree. I've seen it mm-hmm. one time, and it was about six miles in to a WMA I was at. And that's the only one. And, I mean, I put boots on the ground, and I am in these WMAs religiously. And I've seen one. So that's where I'm like, maybe some places like your state, they, they are set and they are good. But there's other states that are not um, so, you know, you kind of got to, I guess, really know, like, like me, for example, I don't see them, so I'd like to do it. But if you're seeing them, you know, maybe donate, do what you can ask. Like you said, even with Turkey, um, you know, I didn't know this, but down here they were like, if you hit up FWC and you own private land, um, FWC will actually come to your property and see if it's some place where they'd like to release turkeys. Um, and then you can help with management of that. Um, so there's, there's always an option is pretty much what I'm oh, yeah. at for you to help. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I just lost my train of thought. If, you know, if you're getting into making boxes or if anybody who's listening wants to, you know, make a box for himself, one thing that was suggested to me and I was like, ooh, you know, I didn't think about that. And it kind of helped with the budget that I have for this is if you're going to put boxes up on public land, you know, Ducks Unlimited will tell you to use cedar. because it doesn't rot and you know delta might delta watermelon well delta waterfowl might say something different but use pine use eastern white pine first of all it's cheap i think i paid like 36 dollars per board when i bought it second of all you would not believe 
how many boxes get shot up, chewed up, destroyed, flooded, whatever. And it's just like you could spend $88 on a cedar plank, okay, that sure, it'll never rot. But the problem is, is it's never going to make it to rot anyways because there's, you know a million other factors that go into its lifespan. So for anybody who's listening or anybody who wants to get into doing that, <clears throat> I would recommend using uh, Eastern white pine. It holds up just as well. You know, chances are if you use cedar, you might have to still replace it in two, two or three years, you know, because of, you know, predators, squirrels, mice, you know, um, people shooting it, which that does happen, believe it or not. Oh, I believe um, it, man. People, people can't you know. not shoot a sign, so I'm sure they can't not shoot a box. In the right, right. So, you know, save yourself the, the frustration and all because, you know, you could have to replace it in the same time frame, um, but you're going to spend a third of the price if you just use Eastern White Pine. Nice. That's a, that's a good tip, man. Um so I know we kind of went down that rabbit hole of conservation, but it's such an important topic and I feel like not a lot of people talk about it. So, um, you know, if you guys have any further questions on how you can help, obviously always hit up your DNR or your, your, uh, you know, gaming commission site. Um, but you know, you know, you can definitely hit up, uh, Sean also and, and, you know, kind of see, you know, if you didn't already cover it, things that maybe you can do to help. Um, and, um, kind of what I want to ask next for you here, Sean, is kind of what's your, you know, without obviously spilling too much of the secret sauce, like what, what's kind of the plan right now, uh, the track you want to go with your, with your company, Northern Timber Outfitters, like what's the future kind of look like here? So my goal realistically is within the next three years, I would love to be doing this full time. <clears throat> um, and the bottom line is, is yes, right now I do calls. I hope to expand from that into other products that I can bring to my customers. And, you know, I'm still going to approach it from the same aspect aspect of, I understand everybody doesn't have a million dollars to spend, you know, each hunting season. So I'm, uh, you know, I'm here to make a product that is for my nine to five guys. You know, they were nine to five during the week to hunt Saturdays. And it's also for, you know, my hardcore guys that are, you know, hunting 60 days out of the year. So, you know, in the future, I hope to bring, you know, some more products to the table. Obviously, I mentioned earlier, um, you know, I should have, you know, some buck runs, some scent spray and stuff come, come August for my whitetail hunters and such. But, um, you know, the plan is to just keep kind of growing and bringing, bringing good quality products to people. I love it, man. I love it. And I, I can't wait to see how this season goes for you, especially now that you're full bore. Um, and you really get to dig your heels down and, and hit it up. I mean, duck season's right around the corner, especially down here. We got early teal season in September. Um, so mm -hmm. it's definitely sneaking up real, real fast. And it, it's hard to believe we're already almost, you know, we're sniffing June right now. It'll be June Friday, I believe. So, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, July. July. See, I'm July. so far behind already. It's it's already <laughs> July. Yeah, um, yeah. Don't, rem <laughs> don't remind me how close duck season is. It's funny. Um 
I guess it was like a week ago or something. I woke up and it was like 44 degrees here, which was like insane. <laughs> I spent half a day in a sweatshirt. Um, but I woke up and, you know, duck depression is a real thing. And that duck depression hit me. And now it's like all of a sudden it's like I'll notice like, you know, my foot shaking. Like I'm shaking my leg. and It's like I'm thinking about duck season and how close it is. Like, oh, my gosh, you know, this year's flying by. And it's like. Every day, I'm one day closer to the season, but it's like, how prepared am I? <laughs> yeah, no, for <laughs> you know, sure, man. Uh, but I am excited for it. It's going to be a, a fun year. I know Corey, uh, Corey's really been digging into the filming and figuring out how all the cameras and stuff work. And, you know, I have been too, so that way, you know, it's not all on him, but we can get some stuff filmed. And I'd say my biggest goal for this year is... You know, I want to, obviously, I always want to hunt as much as I can, but um, I told my girlfriend, I said, September 1st, the madness starts, and from September 1st to January 31st, I will be busy every Saturday, so don't ask. (laughs) And my goal is, is, you know, to just take my products out there and, you know, test them as hard as I can, you know. And just be able to show people, too, with, you know, the videos we're filming and stuff. Like, hey, like, our stuff works. Like, you know, it's you don't got to question, like, oh, is it working or not? You know, we had, you know, we they work. They call in birds. But the other thing is, is I want to show people, too, that just because you don't have a $60,000 bass boot and, you know, all this crazy gear, you got, you know, $10,000 in gear. And, you know, a surface drive and all this, you can still go out and you can do just as well as those guys can. You, you got to work for it. You know, you got to work for it, but you can do it. And that's kind of my goal for this season. No, you definitely can, man. And, and, you know, me getting into waterfowl, you know what I got? I got a 16 foot canoe that I can carry super light, easy to flip. Um, but I got a canoe. I've got 10 hand-me-down decoys from a member uh, from uh, Georgia when I went waterfowl hunting with him this year. He gave me some of his older decoys. I got one call from you and then another call from uh, Christie's, uh, let's see, uncle-in-law, I believe it is, or uncle. I don't know if mm-hmm. it's uncle-in-law is a thing, but her uncle. Um, and, uh, you know, I've got a call from him. So I'm looking at maybe, gosh, you know, two, two calls, whatever that price was which wasn't much at all and then the shipping and then you know my canoe my time you know my gas to get there and you know my shotgun and um you know obviously my camo but you know i'm i do it pretty pretty cheap now down the road sure i'd love to get my my little small boat running with a good motor on it so i can make it more efficient get some lights on things like that i'd love to do that down the road but right now man i'm so content with canoeing into this i did it last year i canoed into the swamp no clue what i was doing at all found me a little spot in the dark made sure there won't no gators there you know got myself set up had some not many had a few ducks come in ended up you know killing one of them was tickled pink man was so excited because i put all you know that work in did it myself and even though it was one duck i felt like i was holding up a 170 inch white tail you know i just I was oh, so yeah. proud of it. I wanted to get it full body mounted. You know, it looked awful because it, it fell in the water. And, you know, it <laughs> yeah. just it looked like it got chewed up and spit out by the time I was done with it. I had to get it before the gators got it. And I was so excited, man. And, I, and, I, and that, you know, it just it felt good doing it myself. And it told myself, yeah, I'd like to get a little bit better stuff down the road. But like you said, 
you don't need much. You know, my, my canoe was a couple hundred dollars off of Facebook Marketplace. You know, the gas was probably the most expensive uh, part to, to go. Yeah. And then the, the shotgun shells, obviously. But it was it was, it was was very inexpensive. I already have the license. The, you know, the waterfowl stamp isn't that much um, in right. itself. Um, so it, it's not like I dropped you know, uh, thousands and thousands of dollars to go do this. And I, I probably had the best time ever. It, it, you yeah. don't need to be rich. But also, if you do have the means to get that stuff, it does make it fun and, and I'm sure easier and stuff like that. It does suck paddling, you know, six miles into a, you know, against the current. But it, it's part of the experience. And, um, yeah. you know, you, you can always get it done. You know, if there's a will, there's a way, always. Right. The first, uh, I think it was the first two years I was waterfowl hunting. I used a canoe or um, kayaks. And then uh, my buddy Zach, who I got into waterfowl hunting with, he had a boat, but he didn't have motor. He only had a trolling motor. So we ended up getting a motor for that. And um, we used that quite a bit. And then I met Corey and... You know, over the last year and a half, two years, Corey have gotten Corey and I have gotten really close. And Corey had a boat, um, so yeah, we we have boats and stuff, but they were just John boats. You know, they weren't anything crazy. I know we built a long tail for Corey's boat last year, but we're actually, I think, this weekend I'm selling that for him. Um, but you know, like I said, you can you can start out with you can start out walking into places now's the best time to go find spots you can walk into because it's warm enough that you can wait out you know maybe not down in florida where you are on the gators but you can wait out and find where the limits are and stuff like okay i can wade out this far i can't this you know this spot's no good the bottom's too soft you can go figure that stuff out now while it's you know 85 90 degrees out but i just now finally i've I've had a lot of boats. <laughs> I've had a lot of stuff. I buy and sell stuff like you would not believe. I don't know why. I just, I get tired of something after a while and get rid of it. I think I've had four boats in the past six years. Not one of them I've ever put in the water. I've bought it, parked it, sold it within the next year. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> and not one of them was <laughs> a boat that I could hunt out of either. <laughs> um, but Corey just upgraded to a, a new boat this past weekend and um you know so i ended up taking his boat off his hands and i've actually been you know working on it the past couple days and stuff it's just a 14 foot aluminum john boot you know we took the middle seat out of it to make more room um and i'll post some pictures to service side stuff showing you guys what i'm doing and how i'm doing things so if anybody else is interested and maybe doing it to theirs they can but i would just like to say for any of you guys listening who either haven't waterfowl hunted before but want to try it or you have and you just are looking to learn more get in touch with me i'd love to take you out i'd love to teach you anything i can teach you um obviously i'm not a professional but you're never a professional hunter because even if you thought you knew everything you could i guarantee it that a deer or some birds would definitely outsmart you. So, oh yeah, hundred uh, percent, man. But yeah, I would still. If there's anybody who just, even if you just want to try it out, I'd love to take you out and just show you what it's about and stuff. And I bet you you'll find more than likely that you love it, and you know I'll get you hooked on it. But you know, 
it's a ton of fun. For sure, man. I know I'm obsessed, and this year I'm actually going to take a teeny bit step back from Whitetail. Now I'm still going to fill my freezer because, I mean, a lot of the food we eat, we're, we're very big field to table, especially now that I um, know the season butcher and I'm able to get like different seasonings and, and the education to go behind it. But, um, you know, I've very, very cut back a lot um, from eating store from the meat. I'm, I'm sorry, meat from the store. And, um, you know, now that I've, I've uh, kind of, you know, um, advanced my knowledge with, with field to table where it's not just burgers, sausage, and steaks, you know, I'm able to make kielbasa, Polish sausage, you know, turkey mm-hmm. bacon, things like that. Um, but my point is I wanted to add duck to that. So I'm still going to get out there and, and fill the freezer up with some deer. Uh, but I really wanted to dive deeper into waterfowl because especially being in Florida, you know, we, we do have such a, a good selection and we have teal and things like that. Um, so I definitely wanted to, um, put a little more focus into it this year, um, to try it. So, um, I'll definitely be hitting up you for some advice and I'm super excited. Um, we're touching on about an hour here, so we'll wrap up soon, but I wanted to bring up real quick. We're all actually meeting up a bunch of us at service. I got together and said, Hey, let's, uh, we have a guide. Um, he, he does snow goose hunting, um, and he does, um, uh, you know, Canadian geese and stuff. And he's actually in New York and, you know, I'm not big on going with guides because I'm a very big do-it-yourself hunter. I, I, every time I go to a new state, I'm a, you know, Onyx maps or Spartan Forge maps. And I'll, I'll look at both of the map systems and um, and see what's going on and what I want to do. And I'm, I'm very big into doing the research myself um, and, and, and being successful. I just get so much more of a rush out of that. But, you know, with all of us, we kind of wanted to get together um, because... We have a, such a good connect uh, with James out of New York, and I've been watching him for years, and the dude fills up pickup trucks full of full of snow geese, um, so I was like, you know what, I would love to do that, to kind of dip my toe in the water and see what it's all about from someone that literally fills up pickup trucks every year. <laughs> I've, been, I've been watching the dude for years. It's not like we just met. I've been watching the guy for years fill up pickup trucks of geese. Um, so I'm like, man, I'd love to do that. Um, so I was willing to, to get on his guide service and he hooked service site up. So a bunch of us got together. Um, it's a good bit of, it's like eight to 10 of us and we're all going to meet up this year and we're all going to do it in March. Um, right in the, almost the end of March, a little bit in the middle of March, we're all going to meet up. We're going to do it in, I know you're coming with Corey. So it's going to be super nice to meet you. Um, but also yeah. to kind of get your experience because yeah, it's cool having, uh, James there. And, and like I said, I mean, it, it, his stuff speaks for itself. I mean, I've been watching the guy for years. He's definitely not a, uh, uh, doing it for the gram. The guy's doing it for a living. So, mm-hmm. you know, he's, yeah. de- he's very consistent with his, with his killing. He's very humble too. You know, he's like, Hey, we might, might fill up a pickup truck. We might not. So he definitely doesn't give you false expectations, but I've been watching him for years and he fills it up. So I was like, you know what? What a what a good way to spend two hundred bucks to go do something completely different, completely new, and also do it with my new friends um, through service side. There's a bunch of us that are linking up that I've been wanting to meet for a long time, and then you're coming with Corey, so we're gonna get to film it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And I mean, you're no uh, 
you're not new to waterfowl and even you're willing to do it. So, you know, kind of where I'm getting at with this is, you know, yeah, it's going to be cool to go do that. But, you know, if you guys can't link up with someone that you know, or maybe you're in service site and you're not able to, you know, we have the hunt link program so you can meet up with other people and we have the networking and the resources. So usually if you look, you can find what you're looking for, but let's just say hypothetically you, you're not able to utilize any of those, you know, you can always link up with like a local guide or someone in a, in a, state that you might be familiar with kind of network with them and and get your feet wet and go out there and do that like with a group of friends like what what we're doing instead of you know i'm sure i could figure it out but it's so much nicer going out with someone that has a track record and then two a lot of the guys in the group they're not green i'm probably the greenest one when it comes to waterfowl that's going and we're gonna have such a great time i'm really excited to see the different perspectives the different techniques um, just everything that everyone brings to the table all in one. Um, it's it's definitely going to be a great time. I'm really looking forward to that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I uh, I cannot wait to go on that trip. Um, <laughs> I swore my Arkansas trip was going to be my only trip this year. And then I heard about that. And I was like, no, like Snoogies are one of the... One of the birds that have all my, been on my list for a while, like, I want to go do the Snoogie Sun. And it's going to be awesome because it's going to be all of us service-side guys together. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to that. Like you said, Corey's coming along. We're going to – he's going to do some hunting but also do a lot of filming and everything. And, you know, I know you had said that, you know, typically you're a very do-it-yourself person. And I'm the same way. But a lot of times when it comes to hunting in another state, what I like to do is is either go with a guide first or, um, you know, link up with a person from that state and go with them first. I get uncomfortable going to a, a state that I haven't been to before to hunt just because it's like, OK, I know the regulations back home, but it changes state to state to state. You know, things are different. And I just, you know, I would always encourage you that if you do want to try hunting another state, you know, try and try and make that connection with somebody else too, because it's going to be different in your state, you know, even down to just how, how you have to hunt, it's going to change. And, you know, to give you kind of less of a headache and maybe make the experience more enjoyable, you know, being, being able to go out with somebody who's, who's hunted that state before is definitely something I encourage people to do each time. You know, and this might be uh, something, um, you know, I get, I usually bring about four to six members down every year. Um, they get on, you know, their Osceola bird down here. We hunt public land. We do have some private land. We usually save that for the, you know, if we strike out on public as, as a plan B. Um, but, you know, the thing about it is when I bring these guys down here, I show them the whole in and out because I have a guy that comes down here every year. Um, we've made it a yearly thing. I actually have a couple guys that come down every year. Um, we've created such a good relationship that they'll come down here and then I'll go to their state. One of them's in Pennsylvania and the other one's in Ohio. Um, but when they come down, I'm trying to train them for success, meaning I don't own, there's five WMAs near me. I don't own, I mean, yeah, we do own them publicly and, you know, we do own public land, but I, they're not just mine. So when I, when people come down, I try to set them up for success that if they do want to bring a friend down or they do want to do something, I'm like, Hey, you know, that this is going to help you out. You know, this is going to give you an idea because down here, man, you'll have two WMAs that connect. Literally they're split by a river. One WMA 
will have completely different rules than that other one. I mean, and these are rules that get you hemmed up real fast if you break them. I mean, you get mm-hmm. caught. So um, it's one of those things where it's like, like you said, when you get with a local or someone that is in the area, whether it be a guide, whether it be a service side member that's doing a hunt swap, whether it be just a, a local person you met at a expo, um, whatever the case may be, um, it's really nice to really get that knowledge. Um, you know, we had some guys in service side a few years ago that linked up and they wanted to go to Wyoming on a do-it-yourself antelope hunt. Well, they got the, I guess, the tag or whatever that you're supposed to get. Come to find out, that tag is only for private land, and they didn't even know that, and the guy at the counter didn't tell them either. Um, You know, most of the time, I don't know where you get your tags at, but I guess that person either didn't know or didn't want to tell them because they were out of towners. Um, But whatever the case may be, they actually had a game warden ask them what they were doing, and and they're like, hey, here's our license, here's our tag. He's like, this is actually for private land, and they're like, really? That's what the guy told us we needed. So it's one of those things where it's like you definitely want to know what you're doing. They got real lucky um, and didn't get hemmed up. But most of the time, ignorance is not an excuse for not knowing the law. Um, right. You know, especially now where at the tip of your fingers, you can almost every state has the their own game and fishery app. Most of them I've, I've seen. Um, that's usually how I get my licenses. I think actually PA, now quote me if I'm wrong, but last time I was in PA, I had to get it and I had to have the physical tag down here. You don't. You just have to have your license on your app. You can click on the app, pulls right on up. You can show the officer your app. You're good to go. When I was in uh, New Jersey, it was the same thing. Uh, when I went to Georgia, you could get it from your phone there. Um, yeah. So I know a lot of this. It's it's so convenient now to yeah. know the rules. Yeah, in PA, you can buy your license online, and then it will kind of, I believe it kind of saves your your license in the whatever the app the website is or whatever that you buy the license through um now i haven't checked out if we have an app or not which now that you brought it up i'm going to go see if the pgc has an app but at the same time i love having paper tags because it's like i have a booklet all my tags all my licenses everything for each state go in that booklet and that booklet is like the number one thing that I make sure I have all the time. And this way it's just like, okay, you need this tag. You need this license. I, the book's there. It's all organized. I pull it out and stuff. But at the same time, you know, like you're saying, it is convenient when it's on your phone. It's just like, yep, here you go. It's on, it's on the app. And, you know, I'm sure that's something that we're going to see a lot of States kind of move towards. And, and they should. And, you know, you know, we, we always help people in service side, like, you know, like you mentioned earlier in the, in the podcast, like, you know, with service side, even if it's, you know, I'm just going to, I'm just going to, I don't know how to sugarcoat it. So I'm just going to come out and say it, you know, even if it's the, the dumbest question in the world, I mean, it, it, whatever it may be, it, it has a place for service side where we want everyone to ask because I'd rather you ask and someone tells you the right way to do it. Then you don't ask and you either get in trouble or you, I don't know. It's one of those things where it's just a lot easier to give someone an answer, the right answer, than it is to just, you know, cut them down. And with Service Side, we don't have any of that. Anyone can come. They can ask their questions. I've been a part of Service Side for a long time. I was a, a field staff member before I even started working here. Um, and I've never seen anyone have to be like, you know, 
hey man, can you chill out a little bit or could you not cut that person in half with their question? I've never had to see that because we have an unwritten rule here. It's just a mutual respect for each other. If you don't like that question, you just keep on scrolling. If you don't like that they killed a, you know, I don't know how you guys do waterfowl, you know, you do mature ones or whatever, but I know like with mature deer, if someone, it's their tag, as long as they're legal and ethical, it doesn't matter. It's not your tag. It's their tagging. Yes, I understand the science behind it. I understand that you want animals to mature and all that stuff. But at the end of the day, if you want to be mad at somebody, be mad at the people making the laws, not the person following them, you know? Um, right. So I do understand all that. So, But that's not what this podcast is about. But my main thing is, you know, Service Site is a place where you can come ask those questions. Um, so if you are looking to get into waterfowl hunting and you need some help, you can always hit up Sean. Um, you can always hit up us at Service Side. You know, we'd love to have you. We'd love to help you out. Um, but Sean, where can everyone get in touch with you if they need to reach you? And also, where can they look at your products and um, check you out on your socials? So if anybody wants to get in touch with me, um, you can hit me up on my personal Facebook. It's just Sean Trump. Um, and I spell that S H A U N. Um, I'm kind of weird, <laughs> but, um, as far as looking at the calls and checking out my company pages, uh, you can look up Northern Timber Outfitters on Facebook and Instagram. Um, there's links to the websites on both of those home pages there. Um, I post a lot of pictures of products, especially custom stuff on there when, um, you know, it's finished and all. So you can take a look around. Um, I know I mentioned it earlier, but on the socials and I believe on the website is pictures of, you know, when I was banning ducks and turkeys this uh, spring. Um, so if you guys want to check that out, you're more than welcome to. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, that's all I have for you for this episode. We're going to get you back on the mic. We're going to deep dive into a few other topics um, on the next one, but we wanted this episode to kind of just introduce you to to our listeners and to our our uh, service side members and and get them to know really what what Northern Timber Outfitters is about and and you know a little bit of you know behind the scenes action. But um, as we wrap up, I always like to ask a um, couple two questions actually. Um, if we didn't touch on anything, feel free to to finish it up and and add anything you'd like. But um, one thing I always like to end with is a good. I call it a hot take. It's pretty much, to sum up this episode, if you could leave us with a few sentences of what people can take from this episode, uh, what would it be? Um, I would just say that don't ever be afraid to go out and try something new. And don't let the people who think they're better than you put you down. Um, and the reason why that is what I want to leave people with is I see too many people who kind of get turned off to trying new types of hunting and a lot of times it comes from the people putting them down when they're asking questions that you know they feel are stupid but really you know to that person they're important nice that's that's great that's great words to leave us on so sean did you have anything else for us no absolutely not i definitely can't wait to jump back on um i know i haven't been too interactive in the group lately i've been busy doing a lot of stuff but i'm definitely gotta um you know interact a little more with you guys and get i want to get to know some of you guys a lot better um and yeah i just i love being a part of the whole service side community because it is definitely um 
it's definitely very fun. Yeah, man, it's it's a great community, and don't worry, I hear that all the time. Guys are very apologetic. Hey, man, I get it. I just had a newborn. You know, honestly, man, if it wasn't my job, it'd be very, very, very hard for me to be as interactive as what I am. Uh, I do understand, you know, I, I get hounded all the time for always being on my phone and, and stuff, but I just, I love the community and the group so much. It's really hard for me to balance it, but we're always here, man. You know that, um, you know, don't, don't feel any pressure. We know you got stuff going on and you're about to be coming into your hay season here. So you're definitely going to be busy, but um, keep doing what you're doing, man. I, I love seeing what you're doing. I, I love that you take it a step further and you're just not taking people's money, but you're also trying to live your dream, but also you're trying to give back. Um, you have a very, very, very good balance with your business of give and take. Um, and I believe that the most successful people have a balance of give and take, not just take. And we have too much taking going on in the industry already. Um, so it's really nice and, and, and humbling to see that, you know, there is still hope in the world where, um, you know, people will do the right thing without being coerced. And there are people that just naturally gravitate towards the better good, um, especially the, the bigger picture of things, but also do what they want to do. Um, so, you know, for you guys out there, I really hope that this episode helps you. Um, if you're looking to either start your own business or get into waterfowl hunting, or maybe, you know, you just, a lot of the stuff we've talked about can be, can be converted into a lot of different things. Um, but it sounds like the main thing that, that Sean, you know, talked about and, and that we've mentioned is, you know, don't, don't let others influence your, you know, how you feel just as long as you're doing it the right way, you know, you can kind of do, do whatever you want, you know? Awesome. Well, Sean, I really appreciate you jumping on, man, and uh, we will definitely get you back on soon. Oh, you still there? Oh, hang on. Sorry about that. Oh, you're all good, man. But that's <laughs> yeah, all. I'm still we... here. <laughs> cool, man. But that's all we have. Um, so you guys are listening to White Tail Theories podcast, and we will see you on the next one. <laughs>